style and I'm Kree Fitzgerald. When Beyonce tells us to pay attention to black culture, we listen. Her recent video is telling of a lot of things, especially the fact that while black culture is prolific, our style is largely appropriated without reference to who originated it. The popular singer uses her platform to reveal the importance of black style, but will it really make a difference? In this episode of Elements of Style, we'll talk about the unsung history of black style and why our fashion matters with Desiree Von Frederick, owner of the Nomad Yard Collective in DC, and Adrian Jones, a professor of fashion design at Pratt Institute in New York City. As I said in a piece I wrote recently for Man Repeller, black style defies definition. It's not just baggy pants and sneakers. It's a combination of experiences, cultures, ideas. One person might wear baggy pants, the other a sleek jumpsuit, even someone else might wear an amalgamation of all of that, or something completely different. Despite the fact that black style reverbs throughout popular culture, it's largely unsung, in fashion in particular. Meaning that while it might be referenced on runways or in show notes, the wider culture does not recognize the influences. Fashion is a large part of it. We are in a, in a position now where, um, from my perspective, from my understanding, from, from my purview, it um, appropriation is at its apex. I, I think that, and, and again, that's why I, I believe vintage is valuable because it allows us to go back to the or, to origin, to the creators, to those who we must pay homage to, those who we must credit with, um, you know, the different, um, um, influences and the trends and, you know, whether it's a so-called tribal print and, you know, it's labeled Aztec. And when you really research it and you look at it, you're like, well, that's not Aztec at all. That's, you know, it's, 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 it's actually from the other side of the, of the globe and, you know, the misassociations and it's callous, it's irresponsible yeah. as far as I'm concerned. It's cheap in the sense that, um, you know, there is no honor in, in theft. There is no honor in um, in taking what is not yours and not crediting, um, you know, the originator. And so, yes, uh, there is a correlation, and I, I think it's valuable that it's discussed. It goes back to our uh, adulation of, like, icons, you know, fashion icons or music icons or film icons, and many of them who, you know, it was very much how they dress, but also just their persona and how they carry themselves. And, um, you know, their je ne sais quoi and that we still attach to present day. And when, you know, this is a large part of my, my dialogue and ongoing part of the dialogue. And, you know, the, the icons that we attribute, you know, great aesthetic or great sense of self and ownership of style, um, are quite often, you know, European. And the challenge there is even those people are influenced. And, you know, and it, I believe it goes both ways. It's important to take a look back at Black style, it's, its evolution, if we're trying to say that popular culture takes from it, but doesn't give anything back to it. So it doesn't recognize it at all. I would say the 1950s slash early 60s is when Black style really emerged as being different. While it can be said that before then, black people interpreted fashion in their own way, I think most people would identify with the time period I just mentioned. Black style presents the most noticeable shift during that time, a real shift toward unrelentless individualism. I'd like to kind of take a look at the black boy groups and black girl groups of the 1950s, 60s, for instance. 
they really helped making dressing up in coordinated and often colorful suits and glam gowns the standard. The Swallows were one group, for example, from the 50s that set the stage for groups like the Temptations and their slick style, as well as the less formally dressed but also coordinated Beach Boys. On the other hand, the Shirelles was a popular black girl group in the 1960s. They are credited as the originators of the girl group and had similar influence as the Swallows on preceding girl groups. Their style was glamorous and one of a kind. One look in particular is so kind of standout. The groups wore a mock neck sequin dress affixed with feather-like trimmings on the wrists and bottom hems. They really set the stage for groups like the Angels and the Supremes. The 1970s saw the emergence of black power and Africana wear. Black people were inspired by Black Panthers. They embraced black leather jackets, berets, and black driving gloves. Black people also embraced their heritage with fezes, dashikis, ancient Egyptian jewelry, and gold chains. Into the 1980s, there was an overwhelming drug epidemic paired with poverty, and it hit the ghettos in New York City, Chicago, and LA especially hard. Poverty often meant hand-me-downs for black youths, which had an enormous influence on hip-hop fashion. Two big hand-me-downs reflected in the baggy clothing that came of age in the 1980s and 90s. With origins in New York City, hip-hop fashion was, and still is, the most well-known of black fashions. The particular style was really about making our own fashion and to make fashion accessible to people of color. People like Dapper Dan, who fashioned rolls of fake Louis Vuitton and Gucci prints into suits, puffer coats and hats, and who it seems Beyonce references in her most recent formation video with her two-piece Gucci-inspired hot pants and top, really set the stage for hip-hop fashion. 1980s slash the 1990s really associated with styles like Kangol caps and bomber jackets, um, you know, Adidas sneakers and, and the like. Again, we embraced our heritage at this time with kente cloth hats, and we embraced the colors of black nationalism, red, green, and black. And in the 1980s and 90s, for the first time ever, it seems, labels like Tommy Hilfiger and Polo recognized the power behind the black consumer. And today, we're experiencing kind of a combination of all the aforementioned styles. People are really kind of doing whatever they want with style and saying, you know, just because you don't think this is what black people wear, I'm just gonna wear it anyways. How then does the way we dress tell a story? It really shows who we are as a people, but it shows that we can't be defined in that all of us have a different style, it has a different approach to things. Not one of us dresses the same, or maybe we do, but we're in, in different groups. It's, it's a very interesting kind of way to look at things. And I think Desiree kind of kind of gets at the core of how what the way we dress might also be a way of retaliating against the norm per se. I I, I want to say that my aesthetic is in fact a initially was an unconscious retaliation against social norms. Um, and, but more more recently, the more I identify and self-examine, I I do um, believe that you know I make conscious decisions to um, to present myself to the world in the way that feels most natural to me. And quite often that goes against, you know, what society tells us is appropriate, um, whether for your career, for your age, for your 
you know, ethnic background mm-hmm. for, you know, the season, I don't know, whatever, so many different um, um, elements to that, but it's, it is, um, I found as a, an African woman um, living in America, everything that I do is, is political, and that's just the inherent nature of my existence here. Um, it isn't a choice, I'm not creating this, um, politicizing my existence, I'm simply responding to what is, and I acknowledge that it's not a fight per se. It's simply just the reality of, of, of who I am and where I am. Um, I believe that a large part of why I exist is to just create dialogue and to continue that the story of telling, you know, the telling the story of human history and to reflect people who have been extremely integral in the, in, you know, and contributed to design and to art and to culture. Um, and all the subcultures therein, and really to pay homage to them, you know, and to acknowledge their contributions. And because ultimately, it's it's it, it really is as simple as if we do we we cannot acknowledge, you know, the giants whose shoulders we stand upon. Then, you know, who are we as a people, and where exactly do we intend to, you know, where are we going? Um, as far as like my, my personal aesthetic and that dialogue that I can I have on an ongoing basis with the world and society around me, it is very conscious. I dress to for myself, um, and I say that because in a world living in, as an African woman in America, there's a large part of um, my experience that has, in in many ways, I had to pick one or the other. I've had mm. to pick like my Africanness or or America, mm. and I had to pick either this Western aesthetic or a global aesthetic, um, and it's been like very consistent in my life, and you know that that pull, and those two extremes, because I do not consider a Western or American Americana aesthetic to be um, global in any capacity. Mm. I think if anything, in, in its in its truth and like the intrinsic nature of Americana, it's. Americana is based on appropriation, and so <laughs> when I, I, I think of aesthetic and when I think of, um, you know, global aesthetic and a, and a worldly, you know, um, view, I, I think of so many layered experiences. I think of texture and color and, you know, richness, and beyond it all, beyond the superficial, I think of purpose, and I understand the metaphysical meaning behind things and aesthetic, and so... This is something I've been conscious of since I was a child, and on a daily basis, I um, I pull back to you know what has always made me most comfortable, and that has been like dressing in a very impractical way, and um, that impracticality is more for my own sanity than it is for anyone's you know appreciation. And the thing is, like we're retaliating against the norm, but do we really need recognition? I I think this is a personal thought. I think we need to recognize men and women who set new standards while breaking code, and also that we should thank people like Marvin Gaye and Josephine Baker for showing the range of black style. We're not cookie cutter. We can't be put in a box. I think Desiree has some kind of interesting perspective here on that. We shouldn't call for recognition of black style. You know, growing up it's a very real part of my experience that 
um, you know, when I would research, and still to this day, I research vintage fashion, 1960s, 1940s, the images that appear are, the majority of the images are of European men and women, um, you know, the Marilyn Monroe's and the Janis Joplin's and James Dean, and, you know, although their aesthetic, um, you know, in whatever shape or form for their time was unique and uh, was awe-inspiring, they were influenced by other people of that day. And if you look, especially in the music industry and how that was shaped and who shaped that and, you know, going back to like the Motown era and the way that men presented themselves and the women presented themselves and how that influenced, um, you know, the evolution of, of rock and roll and all these other genres. It's definitely, I mean, I think it's it's quite obvious that um, people of color have contributed greatly to aesthetic and what we deem cool and what many people aspire to. Um, whether that is acknowledged in, a, in the mainstream, I don't think that will ever happen. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's, I don't even think if it, it's necessary. Um, it's the same conversation that I have around vintage. I, I don't need the mainstream fashion industry to acknowledge you know, people of color and what they've contributed to design and to, you know, um, aesthetic. I simply need to inform myself. I need to educate myself and, you know, people of color around the globe must be aware of what we've contributed and we must educate ourselves and share that. Um, the mainstream world, as I see it, is one that takes and it, it doesn't understand um, reciprocity, quite, um, just the nature and the law of reciprocity. It simply takes, it consumes and it rarely gives credit, um, or, or, or uh, and, and that's that's the world that we're in. And I think the more we buy into that, the more we continue to feed um, that. The the onus and the responsibility is on us to be educated, to be aware of you know where that tr- so called trend originated and why it originated, because there's symbolism and there's purpose behind everything. Um, historically people of color around the world, it it was less, um, it was both about function, but also about um, style and purpose. And there was, you know, from the amulets that were worn, from the different garments that were worn, um, the symbolism within them, the colors, the texture, the fabrics, and, um, you know, all of these different elements of what shapes and curates a, a personal aesthetic. There was always purpose behind it. I didn't simply, you know, no one just wore you know, copper and gold um, chains and bangles and certain beads and, you know, um, um, design elements simply because it was pretty. You know, the beauty was inherent in the value and the symbolism and the metaphysical ability that those things provided. And it's our responsibility to be aware of those things. So it just requires some responsibility so you know to Mm. to to learn and to know and to see if it's in the latest gucci ad that you can dissect that ad and you know dig deeper into the roots and identify where those elements and those inspirations originated and quite often you'll find that it originated you know from a person of color but i also think adrian adrian jones from the pratt institute also has kind of a, a unique perspective in that we do need recognition and we should still call for it, you know, because our children and people, people, young people are looking to fashion magazines for influence and we don't get recognition there as much as we should. 
Of course we need to be recognized. I mean, that's part of the problem with us as a people now, not knowing our history. Um, so, and that's included in fashion. There's so many people who have done and accomplished so much in the fashion industry. Um, and not a lot of people know about it, even people who are in the industry. And they also need to be acknowledged and honored. And again, if we don't know where we came from, how do we begin to advance? Exactly. And that's in whatever level we are. But I think all of this to say is that obviously everyone always has a different perspective. So instead of dividing across different perspectives, Let's try to celebrate within ourselves our unique mark on the world. Let's continue showing how our fashion can make an impact. Thank you for listening to the Elements of Style podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about the unsung heroes of fashion.